You are listening to Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Just Riding Along brought to you by Kenny turning down a beer. That just happened. I did not turn down a beer. I am holding a Coors non-alcoholic beer, which I have never seen before in my entire life until I came here. Yeah, it's a half percent alcohol by volume. You need to keep your face pointed at the microphone. This microphone wasn't made for this many people. So <laughs> yeah. you, you looked away from it and I saw the levels just be like, do, 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 do. All right, well. Enough wasting time. Yeah, we can so- dig right into the meat of it. Kenny drove out here in his 2002 Honda Civic. How much oil did you burn on 2002, the way here? 2002, it's a 99. Oh, <laughs> I thought it was an 02 Civic. It's a 99 Civic. <laughs> How much oil did you burn on the way she, here? She burns a little bit of oil. So. That's a little brown dog. Hey, like, if you, it would it be, did it burn more oil than a 24-ounce beer, but less oil than a 40? <laughs> Something like that, yes. In so that neighborhood? You put that a poor little car. Well, the deal is it has three bikes on the roof. And they're like all mountain bikes, so they're like hardly aerodynamic. They're not Fox 34s or Pikes, though, man. If they were, it'd be really rough. But anyway, I have to basically, to not piss people off and like to pass trucks. Because the other problem is, it's crazy. You If you get behind an 18-wheeler, it like rocks the car violently back and forth because all that air comes <laughs> off and it hits the bikes and it's scary. Like you think that the, you think that, Oh, we have dogs everywhere. That's wow, okay. This is insane. There's anyway, always dogs everywhere. Um, so if you get behind an 18 wheeler, the car goes crazy. Like it's about to rip the roof rack off. So I try to get past 18 wheelers relatively quickly. And to do that, I have to go to like fourth gear and I'm like fourth gear at 80 to 85 miles an hour. And it's like, this car's super pissed at me. Because uh, the speed limit, once you're in... Well, 70, limit. pretty much every road I took here was 75. So that means I'm going to go like 80 to be <laughs> to be reasonable. I mean, that's normal, but that's like kind of the flow of traffic. Almost everybody is going 80. That's true. Uh, but anyway, yeah, everything went well. Um, and it, she, she burns a little bit of oil when you got it floored. <laughs> but it's not too bad. I think at one point... On one of the fuel stops, I guess it was near Hayes, Kansas. And I think from Hayes, Kansas up to like roughly the Colorado border, it is relatively uphill. Oh, yeah. Like it's very, very slight, but it makes surprisingly enough a pretty big difference. Oh, yeah. And that, that whole stint, I was wide open throttle the entire time, and I was switching between fourth and fifth. So for an entire... Tank, tank of, of fuel, gas. whole tank of fuel, and I got 17 miles to the gallon on that one. It was, <laughs> and the car was super angry at me, but it was fine. So it goes to show you too, cars can take a freaking beating. Like if I had, did that drive in the Focus with a, a trailer. trailer. Yeah. So I mean, if it has, if your car has oil in it, it's gonna be fine. Like <laughs> if it has oil so and it's not is, overheating. I always tell people like they test these motors on engine stands like wide open throttle for like months to make sure stuff doesn't break. So like. You, some people flip out like, oh my God, you, you know, you redlined your car. It's like, man, I was damn near redlined for two and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> it was fine. So anyway, that's my, uh, that's my car and travel story, but no, everything went really well. Pretty smooth drive. Um, yeah, we, we took Kenny to White Ranch this morning and 
I did have, uh, who was that that asked me, White Ranch, like, why did you do that to him? Steve. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I talked to Steve Domahitty. I've screwed that up, I'm sure of it. you got to look at the microphone, guys. I'm turning look how my, little, look I'm how turning little your eyeballs. bubbles are. I'm turning my eyeballs towards you. Anyway, I got I went I saw Steve this morning. Um he's gonna let me use one of his bikes for a tie he's gonna let me use one of his tie bikes for Breck Epic. So does it have a name? Like does that model have a name? I or is it just called the Damahedi tie? Yeah, I guess. I don't think he actually... It probably does have a name, he's gonna be super pissed. He is he's gonna be, be listening to you be like, God damn it, that bike is called the you know, whatever, the Johnson. <laughs> the Johnson. It's the Johnson frame. <laughs> the is that that's like if you get one of the twenty nine versions, it's the big Johnson, and if you get the twenty seven five version, it's the small Johnson. So I'm riding one of Steve's big Johnsons. <laughs> that's really weird. Wait, you said one of like he has multiple Johnsons. Well, yeah, he had a bunch of them in his house. Did he just have like a rack full of Johnsons? <laughs> <laughs> he did. There By the some. way, this beer tastes different. <laughs> <laughs> It's like it doesn't have any booze in it. It just tastes like there's something. It just tastes like there's something wrong with it. It's really weird. So, uh, what else? But yeah, so I told Steve that we took Kenny to White Ranch this morning, and he was he was a a little flabbergasted. He's like, "Why did? Why would you take someone who just got here to White Ranch?" So, for the record, it's called the Titanium Single Speed Slash Geared Hardtail, and the Reynolds 853 Single Speed Slash Geared Hardtail. So it's. It's yeah, well, actually it's, it's not the called the, it's not called the Johnson. <laughs> it's now the Johnson. He's now going to call it the Johnson though. <laughs> He's going to put an armadillo on it too. He told me that. I I, I give him a JRA mug. Look how little your bubbles were. <laughs> your bubbles got to be big so people can hear them. Uh, They'll just have to turn. Anyway, we're talking about riding. Um. So Kenny showed up. We met him at White Ranch this morning and took him on. A good loop of White Ranch. We took him on the like enduro loop, pretty much. Yeah, you ride hard up, rip back down. So uh, Jake is torn right now on the edge of his seat, wondering what we rode. We went up Belcher, um, down Rawhide to Longhorn, Longhorn to Crabapple, Whipple, Sipple Tree, whatever it is. Whipple Tree, Whipple Tree, <laughs> Cripple Tree. Tiny Tim, Triple Tree, I don't know, some tree trail. Um, <laughs> and uh, it was fun. It was fun. Yeah, I had a good time. I mean, it was definitely, you know, that climb, you just can't, like, you can't dick around on the climb is the problem. No. Like, there's, it only allows you to go so slow. You know, you're just not going to get traction loose. and you're going to fall over. And there's, like, some stuff you have to kind of, like, position the bike to get up over. But, um, it was fun. I had a really good time. And then what did we do after that? We went down Longhorn. No, no, I mean like the next ride. Oh, okay. So oh. Andrea needed to ride short, so she called it a day. Kenny and I drove uh, over to the bottom of Lookout, and then we rode our mountain bikes up Lookout on the pavement and then descended Chimney Gulch. Did you go from the very top, like where it's all rooty and stuff? We went in at the mansion. So, yeah, we went, in, yeah. We went all the way to the top. Cool. So. I don't really remember that many routes for some reason. There's only so, it's only at the top there. Oh, okay. Like the first mile. So for Colorado, that's Rudy. Yeah, oh, okay. exactly. I was like, man, that was there was like two routes. I was like, huh, that's there's n- like one or two root beds. I was like, huh, that's not a rock. 
Well, it's actually, that's the problem is, uh, here roots are kind of weird because they move a little bit more than rocks. After riding on rocks, you realize that roots that are a little exposed move. And also they, they offer, because they move, they don't hit quite the same and they don't, they definitely don't have any grip. Rocks offer a ton of grip. You can, especially at low to medium speeds, you can hit rocks and your tire just digs in and like grips onto it. But roots are just like, zoom. And you want to bust your ass, so. Yeah, is it a problem? I'm just curious. This thing is leaning on the delete key, and that makes me, like, super nervous. No, we're still re- we're still recording. Okay. <laughs> it's just, yeah. It'll be all right. For those of you that are curious, I'll, I'll take a picture to send to Ben so everyone can see what our recording setup was like tonight. Yeah, it's super sketchy. It's not really any different than any other time. It's always pretty... Uh, Except we don't have technical difficulties as badly this time because we're not using Skype. Well, actually, I think that there was as many issues trying to get the microphone to work, but it doesn't matter. We're here. That's we're, all that matters. We do it for the people. We do it for the vine. Uh-huh. <laughs> the vine? <laughs> what are you talking about? you never seen that? Like, kids will scream something, they'll be like... Do it for the vine, and then they do something dumb, like, oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. smash through like a glass window with their or face like they, or something. They pick up two milk jugs and like smash them on the floor, and then slip and fall and get a concussion. That one was really good. <laughs> that was one of the better vines I've ever seen. <laughs> that one's pretty classic. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I rode short today because I am getting ready for Breck Bre- Epic. That was the sound of another Coors NA being cracked open. By the way. Um, but yeah, so I rode, um, I just did the enduro loop of White Ranch and then went home. Um, I felt really good, which is awesome. Like after Winter Park last, I guess it was a week and a couple days ago, I, I was super, like I, I was done. Like I was totally toasted and ready to like rest up for Breck Epic and that starts on Sunday. And today I felt I kind of started out, it's like I was warming up, and I was like, yeah, I need to like take it real easy today, but then I I just kind of had that feeling like my legs felt awesome, and it's like, oh, I'm going to like hit it just a little bit harder just to get that little bit of, you know, just like some topping off your intensity kind of feeling. So <laughs> It was like that. <laughs> it was a lot like that. <laughs> All right. Uh, so yeah, I'll be at Breck Epic next week. We won't record a show officially, but I'll have my computer and stuff. So, you know, I'll, I'll probably like upload some race reports if anyone cares. I mean, if no one cares, then I'll, I won't do it. You guys let me know. I'll probably do it anyway. I don't care about you. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were like calling out all the fans when you said, if you guys care. I didn't think you were actually talking to me. So I was calling out the fans. I wasn't. Oh, that wasn't to you. That was to the fans, to our, our all four of our fans. Oh, just you, keep scrolling. What'd you find? Bike rumor crap. Lightweight brand carbon handlebars. That's so scary. Their wheels have been okay, haven't they, Kenny? Except for, what'd you say, like the fat bike rims sucked? No, not light bike, lightweight. Oh, okay. Like the really, really weight weenie tune style crap. Yeah, 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 whatever. All right, so we got some donations this week. Louis Savoie. It's French. I'm from Louisiana, but live in Texas. From Texas, <laughs> gave $30. Steve Cookson, or Steve Cook, from Charlotte, North Carolina, gave $10. And Carlos Carrasco, from Arizona, gave $25. Are you just trying to read that in, like, your hick voice? I tell you, yeah. yeah. 
Well, that's cool. Cool story, bro. I forgot. I was going to... Thank you, guys. Thank you for donating money. And you can always uh, go to Mountain Bike Radio. Actually, you can go to jrashow.com and uh, look for a button that says Support JRA. And you can donate a few bucks so that we can um, eat grass-fed steak. I wish there was a way that when you push that button, it made the rap air horn. Oh, and my then gosh. Took you that to would the be page, so cool. Be like... Tch-k-k-k. While the page loaded, but that's not how the internet works. So John Richards from the Front Range says, Dear JRA, I've been riding the Front Range since 2002. If I ever see an armadillo along the Front Range, I will start breeding them in my basement and find where you people work and put baby (laughs) armadillos in your cars often. Oh my God, we'll get leprosy. Rattlesnakes along the Front Range are bad enough. Armadillos and rattlers would make me ride e-bikes on bike paths for the rest of my life, which would be a lifetime of sadness. (laughs) <laughs> Thanks for the awesome show. Sincerely, John Richards, listening while working. John Richards. That's the name of my high school person that I would buy marijuana from on occasion. My parents <laughs> my parents don't listen to this, so it's okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's a million and five John Richards out there also, so I can say well, that. Well, you live in Colorado now, so it's fine. Exactly. It's encouraged. Pot <laughs> is so legal. It is. And the funny thing is... I haven't bought marijuana since I've moved to Colorado. All the fun of it's gone. <laughs> it's it's like, man, you don't have to like find some sketchy person and No, it's that I don't have time to lay around and drool on myself la, 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 under la, la, a blanket. La, la. <laughs> I mean I just don't have that many opportunities to be totally useless for two or three hours at a time. That's the best part in Memphis though, is finding a weed guy. <laughs> you have to pretend to be someone's friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, yeah, John Richards. Um, okay, so he mentioned e-bikes, and we... Uh, oh, man, we rode a pair of specialized turbos today. I did have one of those. That that uh, that beer was pretty good. That, what? Uh, the one I don't at know the, what brewery it was. it was. The Right Coast? It was called Third Base. It was kind of like a 9 or 10% yeah. kind of uh, like a triple, Did you say you maybe? drunk rode an e-bike? Yes. That wasn't, <laughs> I was not drunk, but I was under the influence. And he was definitely pinning it out of the saddle. I was too. <laughs> Did you guys race? No, those things aren't fun to race. No, but it was it was pretty cool. I did jump a few speed bumps. Oh god, that sounds scary. Yeah, it was really fifty pounds of bike. No, in the they're air is like they're sketchy. over sixty. Okay, it felt like a lot because our scale goes to sixty, and you can't weigh them on the scale because it'll mess up the scale. So they're sixty-five or sixty-seven pounds Dang. or something like that. But what's really funny is they make a bunch of power. So, uh, you can just cruise at 20 on like a false flat uphill. You truly can. You can just basically almost false pedal. Like you just soft pedal. If you just spin the cranks around, that damn bike will do 20 miles an hour. It is ludicrous. I have to say though. <laughs> All right. That was, that's, that's too, too many. <laughs> uh, so I rode a Trek e-bike a long, long, long time ago, like five, six years ago, maybe. <laughs> and it was pretty cool, but this one definitely made like a lot of power. <laughs> it was the, it was a specialized. It was the specialized turbo S retails for $6,000. Is okay. that supposed to be a mountain bike or a road? No, no, no. Like it's a like commuter. a, it's like a hybrid. This okay. is no, it's straight slick tires. Yeah. It's like a fitness bike with a motor. It was pretty cool. It had 42 mil slicks on. They looked awesome. Super high volume. Really like those tires. They're freaking cool, <laughs> and it, may, it looks like they're kind of supermoto style. Like it begs for you to lean that thing the fuck over, like while wide open throttle. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> so it was kind of fun. I could see it. 
the problem to me is forgetting all the legality and not, you know, riding on bike paths and running over kids and whatever else you do on e-bikes. From just forgetting all that stuff for a second and using it as a tool to whatever, say, commute, get to work, do whatever you want to do with it, just kind of use it as this everyday piece of transportation. I just can't, I just don't see it. It was fun. Don't get me wrong. If somebody gave that to me, or if I rented one for the weekend or whatever, I think we'd have a lot of fun on it. But actually being a consumer and sitting down and saying, I want to spend four, five, six thousand dollars on this bike, man, that's a that's a tough thing to swallow. Because for that much money, you can buy a legitimate, say, supermoto motorcycle that will go like a hundred miles an hour. And honestly, it gets pretty damn good gas mileage. So yeah, I know I know it's not as cheap as electricity and all that crap. But the other yeah, thing the, is you don't have to insure it. True, I understand there's insurance and you know you have to have a motorcycle license in that. But just from a transportation standpoint, motorcycles, I mean for the folks that haven't ridden a motorcycle, like they're kinda damn fun, especially a supermoto. And you can like go anywhere you want on it. You want to go on the interstate in the left lane, you can do that. If you want to go rip down a gravel road on it, you can do that. Mm, so that'd be fun. You know, I, I just, from that standpoint, I don't quite see it. I will say it was fun, and it's a pretty cool execution of what it is. Like, it looks slick. The battery is built into the bike, and it looks pretty cool. And, yeah, it is really heavy. And, yeah, it would be fun. But I just, man, if it came down to me to spend my own hard-earned money on that, that is that is crazy. It's so expensive. So Steve, maybe Steve when has the price one. comes down. Steve has, like, a an e-bike commuter. Yeah. It's actually, it's pretty cool. Like, it's got, uh, you know, like, lights built into it already. Yeah, this one had really it nice, has, like, bright LED, like that Supernova brand or something. It was pretty cool. Yeah, it's got a, a front rack, and, yeah, like, he, it sounds like he rides it a whole lot, and he, he really likes it. Like, he he was t- saying that he, he uh, visited some friends or went to a party or something. Uh, he's going to listen to this and, like, be like, oh, she wasn't listening at all. <laughs> <laughs> But the commuter, but he can like he can load the front rack up and go someplace and not break a sweat and be like ready to party. No, that's neat. Much. That's neat. So from a commuter standpoint, <laughs> I think it's kind of cool. <laughs> Matt just pushed his imaginary rap horn myself. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that was our uh, that was our e bike experience. Oh, things are like flipping out. Just What's a little going bit. On? Oh man, it'll be fine. So if there's a little bit of silence right now, we apologize. The computers are doing. Oh, there it yeah, is. Okay, it was. It, up. it ben, was thinking ben about something. That out. Or not. Windows is like downloading updates or something ridiculous. Yeah. Steve actually thinks e-bikes on like e-mountain bikes are okay, but we don't have to get into it. No, we've already gotten into that ten different times. But regardless, I can say that I've ridden a modern commuter one, and it was neat. I will say that it was neat. It was a cool execution of what it was, but damn. Six thousand dollars, like, whoa, god, that's like so it's much one of those cash. things that it's very cool, but it's not six thousand dollars cool. I mean, you could buy you legitimately, you could buy a supermoto motorcycle, like four hundred cc water cooled, like fairly modern motorcycle, for what three or four thousand dollars, and you could buy like two thousand dollars of cocaine <laughs> to go with it. Yeah, or you could buy an e bike. So, like, man. Or you could buy $1,000 of cocaine and, like, $1,000 of chicken nuggets <laughs> and a super motorbike. Like, the, the possibilities are endless. I could talk about this for the next 10 minutes yeah. if we need to. You <laughs> could buy an old Toyota truck to carry your super motor. Your, you could get a, exactly you right. could get a 99 Toyota pickup 
and like a 2005 Supermoto. And Actually, probably this- not. A 1999 Toyota Tacoma goes for like $27,000 because people have lost their damn mind no. when it comes to those trucks. Out here... They're so expensive. No, there's so many of them out here that you can actually afford them. Back, for some so. reason, they're more valuable back home. That's so That's weird. That's crazy because Subarus are more expensive here because people, people love those them. damn right, trucks. Right, but back home, it's more of a white dude status thing. And here, there's like... They're just... Like there aren't as I think it's a white dude status here. There's just lots of more white dudes in Colorado <laughs> than there are in Memphis. Uh, that's very very true. <laughs> no, what I was going to say is back home the Chevy Silverado is like the staple work truck, and here I think the Tacoma makes like is like more of the all around pickup truck. I think there's like less Chevy Silverado size pickups on the road and more Tacomas, so there's just more Tacomas to buy and sell. Okay. That's where I was going. All right. I so, like making fun of white people. I know. Well, we have another question. <laughs> well, the first one wasn't a question. Uh, it kind of was. It was just a statement, wasn't it? That's fine. Statements are fine. Okay, so Stephen from Charlotte, North Carolina. I've been running XT10 Speed since its original release with no clutch. Recently upgraded to a new bike and in the process got a Shadow Plus rear derailleur. Shifting resistance with the clutch is stiff enough that I had to turn it off during a recent six-hour race. I just replaced the cable and housing to try to fix the problem. I do put Cable Magic by Rock and Roll in my housing and typically run standard steel cables and basic bitch housing. Oh, basic housing. Sorry. <laughs> I know Kenny has recommended PTFE cables in the past, but I change cables often, and I'm not sure if the wear item cost is worth it. Any other recommendation? If it matters, the whole drivetrain is two-month-old XT 10-speed. Uh, Can well, you loosen up that clutch just a little bit? Yeah. First of all, if you want your shifting to feel good and you're worried about the cost of replacing cables, then you need to ride a single speed. Well, no. I mean, he's saying, and I agree, it really sucks. When you look at a derailleur, and the derailleur is $100 for an XT, and that damn PTFE cable is $20. Like, 20 bucks is a lot for a damn cable. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Um, I run them because they actually work, and I just have sucked it up, and it's like, well, that's what it costs to make them shift cleanly and smoothly and lightly. So that's just what I do. So my recommendation still would be that cable, and it sucks. They're twenty bucks. And you're just gonna have to deal with it. But honestly, you probably—I mean, what? You got to replace it once a year. That's not that big of a deal. Yeah, if you're not using solid cable housing, like if you have broken housing and you're getting dirt in there, you need to. Is it on a bike that has broken housing? Do you Doesn't know? say anything about which. Yeah, bike. if you okay. if you're replacing that because you're getting mud in your cable, like in your housing. Um, you need to go to solid housing. But for sure, full-run housing does add more drag. It sucks, but it does. So It's the, awesome. The PTFE cable really makes a big difference. So another thing you can do, as mentioned earlier, uh, you can loosen up that clutch a tiny bit. So there's three tiny little Allen screws that hold on that little plastic cover. You pop those suckers off, and there's a really, really, really tiny little uh, nut on there, and just loosen that up a little bit, like... Try an eighth of a turn, maybe a quarter turn, and just kind of mess with it. You can actually fully engage the thing with uh, the cover off so you can test it out and just see what you think. So that I might, think loosening uh, up the clutch and making sure if you are, yeah, if you're getting mud in your stuff, then you haven't listened to the show long enough to uh, to know that we say put full run housing on everything. Always. Yep. But, I mean, it's, it's a valid concern. I totally have seen people's bikes that are, like, in my view, just unacceptably heavy shifting. Um, and yeah, there's, there's not super awesome solution to it. You know, the clutch, the clutch is great, but you know, the slight downside to it is, yeah, it is a little bit heavier 
um, a little bit heavier at the shifter. I will say uh, the SRAM stuff in general is a much lighter feel at the lever for the clutch. Uh, another piece of advice would be if you want to stick with Shimano, and it sucks because you just obviously bought this, but the for what it's worth, the 11-speed stuff, even without the PTFE cables, uh, the 11-speed Shimano, at least the XTR, I haven't tried the XT yet, it's a little bit lighter for whatever reason. I don't know why. Something different in the clutch or something, but it's a little bit lighter. At the Maybe lever. they put more leverage in at the lever. Maybe. I don't know if you guys have experienced the same thing, but it I'm seems I'm pretty sure it's me... leverage added at the lever. Okay. It is like a longer-looking lever. Yeah. I know that. I mean, I think from the rep, longer lever. Okay. So I th- I'm, I'm pretty sure that they did that to help. Look at me. Look at me knowing all this stuff without knowing it. <laughs> uh, overcome some of the problems. So, uh... Howdy, Andrea, Matt, and Kenny. I love the show. New JRA JRA episodes go to the top of my playlist every time they're released. (laughs) A few episodes ago, I desperately looked and came up empty. Andrea and Kenny discussed Nimbleware and what they considered the best material in Shamit was from their lineup. I'm fixing fixing to. Fixing to. I'm fixing to order some kits from Nimbleware for my team, loose affiliation of friends, and my question is... What is y'all's take on which level is the best value? We're looking to get a mix of jerseys, bib shorts, cycling shorts, and some triathlon shorts. Tri- triathlon shorts? What? Hold on. No. So I, I and think I will she be might placing the wrong show. And I'll be he. Oh. Okay. And I'll be placing an order soon. Already paid a deposit and have some proofs back. I know Andrea is sponsored by them, so I'm willing to bet she has a great perspective. Another couple of related questions. If I may, is there a difference between road and mountain chamois? As you guys heavily ride both, do you like to have different ones for certain situations, trails, and events? Pertinent to my question, I thought perhaps you could use the topic of clothing and kits for a future episode of JRA. Would love to hear your rants and raves about what you like and hate, what's awesome and what sucks. Y'all can cover everything from brands, materials, colors, patterns, chamois, etc. Keep up the great work. Blah, 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 sent over some money that should cost cover the cost of a 40-count meal for each of you. Or 80 McNuggets <laughs> and a shit ton of mayo packets for Matt. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Uh, so that was, Oh, man, our listeners are awesome. I like that, that math. That was really, really good math. I like how yeah. you put it in different ways. Like some either, nuggets, some condiments. Uh, you know, a Toyota Tacoma and some cocaine. <laughs> yeah. There's so many ways to look at things. Uh, I like the... I tried two of their different chamois. Um... And the one that I like. Well, the let's start best. with your sponsorship status. Uh, well, I am now my my current team is ninety two fifty, and we are sponsored by Primal. Um, it's also good stuff, though. I have found that these shorts do not last as long as the Nimblewear shorts. Quads. Yeah, I mean they've just like the elastic is just stretched out a little quicker. Um, you know, I'm not riding any more or less. I don't think, but anyway. Um, so with Nimblewear. Uh, when they were, and it was just, you know, I like moved out of here and, and I'm, I'm on the shop team. So it's not like there was anything wrong with my previous sponsors that I had or anything wrong with Nimbleware. Um, you know, it's just situational. Um, I like the endurance chamois. When you first get it, you're going to be like, oh God, this thing is huge. And it's like making the shorts look deformed when you hold them up in the air. Um, but after a couple of rides and washings, it really like it breaks in and it's nice. Like it's, it's dense enough and soft enough that it, even once the shorts are pretty darn old, like it still is 
pretty comfortable. Is like, that, is that the green one? I'm sure there's other colors and all this kind of stuff. I think the men's version is yellow. Okay, so my experience is, and unfortunately, I'd really I have to go look it up. I do not remember the name of the chamois that I got at first, but I really, really liked it. It was like somewhere in between. It wasn't the super, super ridiculously thin one, yeah, and it wasn't that really thick one. The endurance one is pretty thick. I have to but go. But it really, like, I have shorts. I have nimble wear shorts that, for all in, intense porpoises, <laughs> uh, are worn out. Like, I have worn them so much that, like, they do the thing, like, where they stretch out and, like, you can see through them a little bit. Like, I've just worn them that much, but the chamois still feels good. You'll have to remind me so I can look up and figure out which one I have. So, for what it's worth, I have two bibs that I've been swapping out for, like, damn near two years now. And they hold up great. I have no issues. I've taken a couple crashes in them. They're great. I mean, they're yeah. not, the chamois still work. Okay. I can tell they're getting old. Um, I don't have any issues with like elastic messing up. Yeah. Like my, like the, my, sho- the shoulder things, you can tell yeah. the little mesh in between them is getting a little tired, but like they still function really, really well. And understand I probably wash, I've probably washed them on average twice, once to twice a week. Cause I've got two that are rotate. So that's a heck of a lot of washing. So they've probably been through the washing machine a hundred times each, and I put them straight in the dryer. I don't give a <laughs> yeah, shit. Yeah, I don't dry mine. And for what it's worth, going through the dryer even, which is like apparently a big no-no, my stuff works fine. So granted, I don't go on like nuclear heat. It's like regular heat like or low, <laughs> something like that. But And I also don't cook them in there for like an hour. Yeah, I take them out, and they're still like mildly damp, and then I hang them up. So, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. kit stuff dries out pretty quick. Um, but yeah, that's been my experience. I really like it. Uh, my other advice would be on Nimbleware. I really like the power band stuff as opposed to the gripper. Gripper. Yeah, I think that's. I don't know what they're called these days, but having the it's like the little bit longer, flatter. Uh, what do you call that? A cuff? A band? Yeah, I guess so. You know, like yeah, the, the yeah. end of it. So like you know the the end of your short and the end of your arm those pieces there that kind of hug your skin more than everything else does. I like the power band as opposed to the rubberized gripper, which is like a, it like pinches in a smaller area. So it bothers me more. Right. And I, I know like, I, I'm not sure which level the mountain bike radio, I think the mountain bike radio stuff is like just a mid level, one of the mid level fabrics. And I really like it. I think it's the same exact fabric that I liked, which is like the, it's like a waffly. Kind of look? No, there's a super lightweight one that I actually personally don't like, and it doesn't have as much sun protection and all yeah. kinds of other stuff. I got the, was it Respiro, maybe? I don't know. Crap, I don't remember. I'm so I, bad about I that. Actually, couple... I think it was the one that was technically partially recycled, even. Okay. I, didn't, I don't know. Really freaking good. It, it holds up. It doesn't rip super easy. Um, it's not the lightest weight thing in the world, but... You know, hey, I wear a full face and full finger gloves 24-7, so, like, I just don't even care. <laughs> He's wearing a full face right now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, yeah, I, I like the, the like, the mid-level stuff. I think it's really good. I actually have a couple of their things that are, like, these Swiss, like, they're high-end fabric. Like, it's it's basically, like, on par with, you know, like, your ASOS and, like, that stuff. Um, it's nice, too, but I don't really... Well, the cut is one thing. Like, the cut is, it's like a skin suit. I mean, it is so form-fitting. Oh, Um, that's a really good topic, yes. So the different, what's fascinating to me is that the different fabrics do have different cuts. Yeah, like, this one has a separate, like, an underarm panel 
that's like in your armpit and it like stops at where like the bra line, which I know dudes aren't going to know what that is, but you know, it stops there and goes up into your armpit and it's, it makes it fit so well around the shoulder. So if you want kits that are like super pro fit, that top end stuff is like the bomb, but, but I but can't be careful when you try on make sure. Sh- I know it's hard, but if you can find some way to try on, know what fabric it is, and then obviously know what size it is. And yeah, if it's a, yeah. Like you if it's a race cut or club thing. fit or whatever, it makes a big difference because the different fabrics in the same exact size are cut way different. So I've got like, I think two medium tops and they're completely different from each other. One fits like insanely loose and it was actually the higher end fabric. It wasn't the highest end fabric. Yeah. The, so just be really careful and like make sure if you can to try them on before you start, you know, willy nilly ordering. And also if you tried on one particular brand and you go, Hey, I'm just going to try, you know, you're in the little cart and you're ordering stuff and you're going to say, Hey, I want to try this high end one. Just be careful if you've done it sight unseen because it may not fit right. Yeah. Like that, the super high end stuff that's the, the Swiss fabric that, um, that one definitely is, is like super, super fitted, but it, like the shorts I can tell will last like as long, they're like cockroaches, they'll outlast like everyone on earth. Um, the, and one part of that that I really love is that they don't have a seam like along the inner thigh. The inner thighs are seamless, which is very important if you have awesome single speeder legs because then you can't rub a seam on the nose of your saddle until it busts open and lets your thighs out. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, the, those are, that's good too. You just got, you got to try them on. I mean, I think the mid-level stuff, um, if you like the fit of it and everything, the performance of it is still really, really good. It's just as good as the high end stuff. The fit's just a little bit different. The fit and the feel are a little bit different. So the only other like kind of kit that I had honestly before this particular Nimbleware kit I had a Hincapi set, and it was decent Hincapi stuff, but I can tell you that the fit on, obviously everybody's different, but the fit on the Nimbleware stuff, just the cut in general, seems to be a little bit better, and it has way outlasted the other kit I had. That Hincapi kit probably had half the wash cycles of my Nimbleware stuff, and it's starting to get like semi-see-through, and like the elastic's getting kind of like funky, it's just like crackly. not very grippy anymore, and you know, it's just... I can just tell it's actually not as good. And that Hincapie stuff was actually more expensive. So I really have nothing but good stuff to say about the Nimbleware, even though it's kind of China direct, if you will. I guess everything's kind of made in China anyway, so just get over yourself. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I've seen uh, Panache shorts have the same chamois in them that I like. Panache shorts have the endurance chamois. Yeah, so a lot lot of the, not all the products, but a lot of the products that Nimbleware has, they use a name brand, some other company off-the-shelf chamois, and they just sew the sucker in there, Uh which is cool if you want that, so. Right. Matt, do you have any input? Uh, I like turtles. First and foremost, (laughs) make sure that your chamois fits. Make sure that your shorts fit. If your shorts are loose, your shorts will ride up your legs, and they will bind in the seam where your leg and your groin come together, and they'll rub you raw. Secondly, your shorts need to be tight so you can move your bits and pieces out of the way of where you sit. If your shorts are loose and your bits and pieces can't be controlled, you'll sit on them, and you'll rub them raw. I don't care what brand of short it don't is. Don't sit on your bits and pieces. Don't sit on your bits and pieces. <laughs> that is very important. That's, I think, the first important part is everything has to fit well. 
very well. The second thing on the chamois is make sure they're clean. No one wants to ride behind your stinky, nasty, dirty chamois wearing ass on any fucking group ride ever again. You're fucking disgusting. Buy more clothes. Buy whatever yeah. you can afford yeah. to have a bunch of so you don't fucking stink hey. when you ride. Hey, this do, is supposed you, to do be... you ride with like super dirty, nasty people? If or you something? go on enough road group rides, you'll you'll see that guy. Uh, okay, but what, what's um, really scary about that is true. I would never in a million years double wear reuse a chamois because like that is instantly how you get some nasty ass saddle sore because like some funk ass staff, bacteria you've is got growing, staff in that. growing in your chamois. Yeah. A great way to not get a saddle sore is to, like, take a shower after you ride and wash your damn clothes. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a that's solid advice. God, yeah, that's crazy. That's so, so, so Matt didn't have any nimble wear specific advice, but you know, I think that washing your clothes is pretty solid advice. That is solid. Yeah. And don't sitting don't sit on your bits and pieces. Yeah, I don't care how nice your chamois is. If your shorts don't fit, they'll never feel good. It's called spandex for a reason. Wear something tight for once. If you got a saggy ass and you're an, a solid extra large, don't be a bitch about it. Buy an extra large. You don't need a 3XL because the extra large just didn't feel right. No, it's supposed to feel like second skin. And that second skin is what you wear out instead of wearing out your own skin. Have you had trouble in the store? Like, did people come no, in? No, I've had trouble myself finding shorts that are... So my biggest issue is finding a short that is tight enough on my thighs and my ass, but long enough to reach from the bottom of my crotch over my shoulders. So most, I could probably wear a large from groin to shoulder and a small in the thigh. And it, it, when I see all these normal-sized people, like normal American-sized people wearing clothes that don't fit, I'm like, piss off. This shit was made for your fat ass, at least by the right size. Oh, another thing about Nimbleware that's interesting is if you want to, they'll do pretty cool options. Like they'll do um, they'll do different height cuts if you want the I don't know what you call that, but the bib straps when they come like down. The trunk length. Yeah, you can make those high. So like, um, if you have Sasquatch on your team, you I, can. I guess so. Yeah. So like, Jeff Massey has high penis syndrome. So like he, so he has like he's got the extra tall thing, and he ordered one of these things, and like I didn't want to know that about Jeff Massey, <laughs> and I can't pee out of him. Like I have to like you know I would have Wait, to. Wait, like, you've worn Jeff's shorts before? No, we some order. I didn't realize that he did that for everybody. Oh. It was like it was like the like the winter tights I got or something like that, oh my and they're God. cut like up here. So it's like wintertime. I'm already like got all this shit on, and I'm trying to go pee, and I'm like. I'm like trying to welcome to I'm like trying to pull that thing down. Oh, it's horrible. You know what you well, well you can't really do it with the, tights, but roll roll the shorts leg up. <laughs> no, no, these are like tights. No, that's what these she are said. Insulated. These are these are you can't do it with tights, but in shorts you can roll them up. And oh, pee out the yeah, 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 yeah. You would have to have uh, not only like yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's not gonna work. It's like big snake. <laughs> <laughs> so. uh... I suffer the same thing that Kenny does because I'm I'm as tall as I am and I wear small or medium shorts, so they stretch out so much that the trunk comes up over my belly button. So in order to get it down low it. enough, stop talking about your dicks. I was talking about my belly button. I wasn't talking about my bits. No, and the pieces. Jeff thing was a joke because we're like he did it because he's taller and like for him it was like kind of cut low on a regular <laughs> cut, right? So he wanted the entire thing. So we made a joke that he has. High penis syndrome, and like that's 
somehow fits normal for him. Is that an actual syndrome? I probably yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is this a real thing? <laughs> it is a real thing. Uh, what, have... like it's mounted higher than a normal? Yeah, that's what we were getting at. Yeah, we're like, well, maybe it's like three or four inches higher than normal, and that's, <laughs> and that's why he needs the other, those weird shorts. <laughs> Uh, and also, uh, those winter tights that I got, I really like them. They're awesome, super well insulated. I, they, we just happened to be that people chose to go with the really thick chamois. I hate that damn thing. Like I, absolutely it's going to be a little different in tights it. than it is in regular shorts. I guess so. But regardless, I am not a fan of those super ultra thick chamois. That like nice mid range one, I really really like. Oh man. Yeah, but remind me, I'll have to figure out the which one I have, because it's I really like it. All right. Matt, do we have more uh, questions? Nope. Is that all of our questions? We've only recorded 40 minutes worth of talking. That's fine. We can stop whenever. Do we have anything else to talk about? I mean, nothing else crazy really happened on the ride. It was just kind of, it was what it was. It was fun. Uh, I still think I want, a was, bigger, I want a bigger fork. Kenny was in awe of my descending skills. Yeah, it was really good. Andrea was ripping. <laughs> Uh, Kenny backed up over over lunch today. Kenny backed up the fact that me and the hardtail go downhill rapidly. Yeah, Matt was going faster than both of us. I just I I I love going down White Ranch really fast. Like I jump two water bars at a time sometimes, and it's real fun. Like I don't I don't know I like it a lot. Yeah, it is a pretty fun descent. It makes that that terrible hill kind of worth it. Today, like the, today was the most I've ever cleaned of that hill, but it's also the only time I've ever ridden from the bottom. Any other time I've ridden from like the shop, which is at 9,200 feet, and ridden through Golden Gate Canyon State Park over a big climb at like Crawford Gulch, and then like down all of this stuff, like from that parking lot where we were today, like down from there to Belcher, and then ridden back up. So it's like two hours into a ride where I've already done like 3,000 feet of climbing. So, you know, it's uh, maybe 2,000 feet of climbing. But, yeah, I I was, I felt really good today uh, climbing up that hill. But it, that hill, that, that descent's so much fun, it's worth the hill. What are you looking at? Matt Robbins nearly rolled a tubular that he just glued on. Oops. <laughs> Uh, all right. Anything else, or we want to shut it down? No, I think I, I do want to um, send out our condolences from from JRA to uh, the friends and family of Will Olson. Uh, he's the rider who had uh, a serious accident uh, during the uh, Enduro World Series stage race at at Crested Butte. Um, apparently, he suffered some sort of massive chest trauma and died um, on course. Uh, they tried to revive him and everything, and, you know, he was uh, deceased already. So um, that's, it's real sad. Um, you know, they canceled the rest of the race. It's, um, you know, it's one of those tough things. It's it's uh, it's good that people get out and do stuff like that. Not wreck and die, but it's good that people get out and have a good time by taking risks because... It makes life more exciting and it's fun. And, you know, it's some, in some sense, it's, you know, it's part of why we, not all, but part of why 
we mountain bike because it's, it feels a little bit dangerous. It's, it's exciting and there's an adrenaline rush and everything. And, you know, some people want a little bit more of an adrenaline rush than others and that's okay. And it's, it's not a reason to ever quit doing it. Um, you know, it's the same thing as uh, a while back at the Philmont Scout Ranch. Uh, one of the Boy Scouts was killed in a flash flood. And his group kept on with their trek and said that, you know, that it's it's the outdoors. You know, it's it's dangerous sometimes. But it's more dangerous to not have that experience and be in the outdoors. Yeah, you can't you can't go through life and be sheltered from everything all the time or you're just not really living. I mean, some people argue that, but I mean, everything, almost everything that we do in life is a calculated risk to a degree. You know, you go out and drive at night, you know, you might get hit by a drunk driver. Like there there's 10,000 things that can always happen to you, right? So I mean, you just if you Every once in a while, though, if you're doing something, it's sometimes good to stop and think about what are the consequences of doing this if it goes wrong, right? Take whatever, texting and driving. I know this is kind of a weird analogy, but take texting and driving. Like, if you stop for a second and think... That's not really exciting. I know, but if you just stop for a second and you think about it, what happens if this messes up? It's like, if you really step back and think about it like an adult, it's like, hey, I can freaking kill people. So maybe I shouldn't do that. In the same way that, like, hey, if I'm going to go rip a downhill... Maybe I should, like, wear a helmet. You know, so it's stuff like that. Like, if you just... And we're not saying that he wasn't wearing a helmet. No, no, no. This, but, this but is nothing about... we're just talking about life in general and how you should calculate This is absolutely nothing about this guy or what's going on, because I don't know the details. But it just kind of spurs thought is all that's all there is to it. And you just have to, every once in a while, just think about, if this goes wrong right now for me, what would happen? So, same thing. Like, if you're going to go, you're on your cross-country hardtail, and you're in a not-full-face helmet, and you're ripping a downhill and you think, okay, if I, if I clip a pedal here and if I hit a rock and I crash here, like kind of what's going to happen every once in a while, it's good to do a little bit of a reality check on yourself. Um, That's, that's really all that went through my head. And, and the thing is my thought on it is the reason that we enjoy doing the things that we do is not because we feel like we skirt death every time, because that's not what's definitely on our mind when we go out and, for instance, me today, doubling up water bars at White Ranch, but it's empowering. It's knowing that I have this skill set and putting that skill set to use and pushing myself and pushing limits. And even on the climb up, for instance, I it was empowering to know that I used my little bird-like legs and I pedaled to the top of Belcher. And then it was empowering to know that not using my two fingers to pull the brakes and using like the right body English. I like rip down Longhorn doubling water bars and like moto drifting corners because I was hauling ass. And for me, it's not the thrill of escaping danger. It's the, it's the elation of conquering something that is hard. And the, and part of it being hard is it being dangerous. And I don't do it to cheat the the cheat death i do it in order to to conquer that hard challenge which is empowering which lets me go about my normal life feeling self-confidence and and strength and that's why we do these things that are hard if we if we just want to do things easy we would watch gifts of kittens falling off refrigerators because <laughs> that is entertaining but it doesn't have that type of entertainment that gives you a sense of self-confidence self-worth and self esteem that 
ripping descents on my mountain bike give me. And that's why I do what I do. So, and so the opposite of it, like while I was saying, it's good to do a reality check every once in a while on the complete flip side of that is you can't, anytime somebody gets hurt or God forbid somebody gets killed, you can't just have a knee jerk reaction and flip out and go, Oh my gosh, that's super dangerous. Nobody should ever do that ever. Because honestly, like, you know, that's, it's knee jerk. That's silly. Um, you know, if reasonable precautions were taken, and some whack chain of events happened where somebody got seriously injured or killed, like, it kind of is what it is. Like, you're talking about the Boy Scout, you know? That yeah, yeah. It, like, not- they were, I I, I remember it, and, and so I read up on it again before we started the episode. Like, they were camped in a place that they figured even if the water got high, they would still be safe. But it was just like a freak flash flood. It was, a, it was a freak thing. Like, they thought they would be safe even if the water was flooding. But it was just way more of a flood than anyone imagined. It was flooded or It was way more flooded than than anyone, yeah, than anyone could anticipate. And, you know, that, that happened. And, you know, I'm really glad. And I understand why they would cancel the rest of that race. I mean, as a, from a promoter standpoint, I can't imagine having to deal with... Uh, just the, I mean, like, I don't think deal with is the right way to put it. Having yeah. to process the emotional turmoil exactly. of knowing that a rider that you invited to your event has suffered such a tragedy. I mean, but I, I really hope that the Enduro World Series keeps going. I really hope that the Crested Butte event comes back. Um, I really hope that no one has that knee-jerk reaction, like Kenny says, and it's like, oh, we need to make this less dangerous. Because, I mean, it, it, actually, from from what I've read, he wasn't going, like... that. All that stuff doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah I almost yeah. think I mean, it, it doesn't was... matter. I think, you know, obviously, somebody at some level needs to go look at the... This is not our job. It, I'm not saying it is our job, because we are not experts in this. But anyway, somebody needs to go back and look at exactly what happened, and just do... You know, like an assessment. Have a reality check and say, is this a freak thing? Did he just happen to? And I'm complete conjecture here that we don't know. I don't know any of the details of this. I'm just randomly talking out loud. Uh, you know, did he clip a pedal here and then kind of bounced off of this whatever tree and then hit this rock? I mean, is it this wacky chain of events that you could never, like, if you were to ask somebody how you could crash here and they would never point to the way in which he crashed, then it's just a freak thing. Yeah, right? yeah, that's a really good way to put it. What if there's this you know, obvious feature that he got hurt on. Maybe go look at that. But that's what I'm saying. Like, be, you gotta be, you gotta be kind of objective about it, right? Like, because it again, random, random, wacko, crazy stuff can happen, and you know, you fall just right. I mean, shoot, you can probably kill yourself falling down. You know, a couple, stairs, like three stairs or something like that. You know, you can like, you you fall and like you try to catch yourself, and you know, you slam your like windpipe into something and you die. You, you know? trip over a dog and break your neck. Exactly. I don't, so I don't like this at all. But regardless, it's just you know, I know it's kinda of going to a little bit of a weird Yeah, place, I mean like the, the dude died. I just I'm gonna go. <laughs> uh, but anyway, just uh we just wanna Yeah say I mean, that it's... we're we're at least thinking about the situation. And uh yeah, we always obviously hate to hear anybody get hurt. So Yeah. Um Big uh, condolences to his friends and family once again from the JRA show. Um, with that note, we should probably wrap it up. Yep. Since Matt walked out. <laughs> um, 
All right. Well, thanks for listening to JRA, the special Kinney in Colorado episode. Uh, we will talk to you again sometime in the uh, future. I will be at Breck Epic next week. You might or might not hear from me. Uh, thanks for listening. Good night. Good night.